0: Welcome back to two homers and a realist here we are midweek of the cincinnati game ou's first true road test and we've got a lot to talk about i'm steve lucas connor jay all right guys let's dive into it we've got a lot of things to cover in terms of uh what to watch for here in this first road test for the sooners i'm pretty interested to see how they handle the road a hostile environment um it's, it's going to be a whole—everything's disruptive. You're, you're leaving the state of Oklahoma. You are um, really establishing conference play, if you will. Um, it's kind of weird to think Cincinnati is conference play, but it is for the time being. Uh, so it's, it's an important game in a number of respects. It's important to see how OU handles what will be— uh, a pretty good defensive line, and we'll talk about that in in a little bit. Big noon kickoff. Big noon kickoff. And the some Big Twelve freaking party. Oh, I didn't see that. What
1: is thing? this? I don't know.
2: I, mean, I don't know. It's re- probably something noon, noon, that probably, be a probably something, something that Gus Johnson MCs and starts <laughs> screaming. And
3: who was it? Who was in Tulsa last week? Sean Kingston. Sean Kingston. Kingston.
0: Well, we we've got a lot to talk about there. We we um, let's cover some ground so. What are you guys thinking? Let's dive right into the game to start
3: with. Um, what are you guys watching? What, what's to watch for? Well, it, it kind of sucks that we're not going to be there. This will be our first missed game of the season. Um, for me, I spent the last week going around seeing Pearl Jam shows. So you were kinda, in enemy territory. I, I was in Austin the last two nights. You were in a seeing, scouting mission. Seeing Pearl Jam, and I was in the arena uh, that the Texas Longhorns play basketball in. I was really not impressed, honestly. Um, the facility is pretty. I think a year old, and it was just average. I feel like. Do you think that it will hurt their ability to win basketball? games? I hope so, and volleyball,
0: and all the all the sports. Uh-huh. Probably football too. I mean, it translates. I mean,
3: I, I did see the state The stadium's right next to the basketball and the soccer and all that. Um, there's too much orange and too many Longhorn logos around that town. But one so is too many. I will miss not getting to watch the game from the end zone. Because that will skew my my reaction. And so my just view. as
0: an aside, if they offered a premium package would, where you it. could watch from the end zone, you'd do it. You wouldn't well, pay it.
1: A TV, cam, TV camera, television So you want the you want the extra point cam, the field goal cam.
3: Yeah, all the time. I'd, yep, that'd be totally fine with me. I would watch now what if it I would was, watch every NFL game, every college game that what way. What
0: if it was back in that 80s, 90s version of television before we
2: had high def and all this? That, then it would be a lot tougher because <laughs> then you probably couldn't
3: make out the jersey numbers. I just want to know what field. you smoked in Austin.
2: So <laughs> Nothing. Okay, so this just, is just a sober I'm take. just
3: on a Pearl Jam high. Gotcha. Well, but other than that, uh, like you said, true road tests. Um, their quarterback was the Florida transfer kid, right? Emory Jones. Yep. Um fifth he's a, year he's fifth a dual threat dual threat kid i'm interested to see what our desai mccullough in the cheetah position looks like with his probably first start i guess since harrington's out um how much peyton bowen gets to play with being a, a tougher team than tulsa and and um smu so that'll be interesting to see and then obviously we can talk offense too yeah,
0: absolutely. I'm looking for, um, here's, here's my notes. I want to see run game strength and dependability. I'd like to see us establish a running back. I don't hold out a lot of hope that it's going to happen. We're playing a good defensive line, but I'm really getting more and more concerned about the running back position. If we've got a guy that we can go to, if we understand what the rotation's supposed to be, if we can knock the rust off these guys, and if we can just get long-term production. I'd love to see some good breakaway runs, but and we did average a good uh, yards per carry against Tulsa, but it was Tulsa. So what is that going to look like down the stretch? Um, I'm looking for Dylan Gabriel to be steady in the pocket. I want to see him making reads, going through his progression. I'm a little concerned in that, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. I want to see him continue to get some deep ball success and that'll keep the threat of the deep ball alive. Let's see if that can happen. Let's see if he can hit the guys in stride the way he needs to, and really cause that to stretch the defense out. I've got some concerns there. I mean, that helps the run game. And it will help the run game a lot. Uh, And I want to see the defense leading the way. I want to see the OU defense continuing their dominance, continuing to impress, and, and really keep the game completely in hand. They have done a tremendous job up to this point. Of containing teams, keeping them um, out of uh, you know out of the red zone, definitely out of the end zone. So I want to see them continue to do that, and we'll see if they're able to do that against uh, the Cincinnati offense. What do you guys got?
2: Uh, I'll echo. I mean, some of the same uh, points you all have already made. I and we'll get into it again later. But uh, Dylan Gabriel's momentum. Uh, I, I do want to see that, and it's, it's what we talked about in our, our pregame clip as well. Uh, just wanting to see him cash in on on some of those plays that we saw last week. Uh, something I noticed when I went back and rewatched the game, we got twenty one 28 points up, I think. And I, I feel like we saw a similar reaction from our offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy, in terms of his play calling uh, that just was less than stellar after again I, I go back to it I know I went back to it and either the midweek last week or the the post game the the Oklahoma State game where we saw this super last last season saw a super open playbook the first first half and then first quarter really first quarter and kind of closed that up so I feel like we saw something similar last last week and I, I feel like that point was that drive right before half yeah. where we could not figure out a way to get in the end zone with uh more than enough time down in that, and down in the red zone, especially within the 10 yard line. Um, and I feel like that kind of just, I don't know, it, w- it was a weird stall. So I wanna see us open it up. I wanna see those successful plays down the field with the intermediate short and intermediate route that we all know Jeff Lebby ro- uh loves to run uh, working as well. I think he balanced those really well in the first three to four drives last week. Uh, so I'd like to see that. Uh, Something kind of that Lucas said with Peyton Bowen and and Harrington, I think Peyton Bowen may have earned himself a spot over a Reggie Pearson last week after some of the, and Reggie Pearson got hurt, but let's assume he's fully healthy and and ready to go uh, coming into this week. Pearson looked lost in a lot of those situations last week, both at the safety position and when he was at Cheetah. Um, Looked a little bit slow, looked like he was trying to figure out where he needed to be on a couple of those plays. Uh, So I. I mean, we, we talked about it in the, the preseason. Is Peyton, Bo, uh, Peyton Bowen going to be starting for OU when we play Texas? And it is trending in that direction, especially with injuries and also with just overall uh, playmaking ability. So uh, I'll, I will be interested, as Lucas is, to see to see Peyton Bowen out there.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be a big game for Gabriel in terms of I'm, I don't feel very confident in the run game. Um, Cincinnati's strength is on the line of scrimmage. And their linebackers come downhill. And we haven't shown the ability to move people off the ball. And we haven't established uh, who our 1A, 1B running back is, as you alluded to, Steve. And I think it's really going to be predicated on him connecting on down-the-field passes. So I'm interested to watch if the particularly the interior of our offensive line can hold up especially if at left guard we're playing true freshman uh, Caden Green. It's, he was a five-star recruit, <clears throat> big-time player, but this is would be his first start on the road against NFL-type defensive linemen, so that is a tough job for any player. And if we cannot establish a run, then Dylan has to be on point we we're going to have to we're to have to throw to set up the run, set a run to set up the throw. So, that's what I'm looking for is if the interior offensive line can hold up. If they do, then I think we have not a cakewalk of a day, but I think our offense is just, is going to move the ball efficiently and fairly easily, but I'm actually slightly worried about this game because Gabriel hasn't shown the ability to take command of a game when other facets of our offense aren't working. And I feel like they're going to stop our run
0: game and it's going
1: to be relied upon for Dylan to make those
0: plays. I think you're right, and if I was Cincinnati coming up with a defensive plan, I think it would be aiming at making us one-dimensional and making Dylan Gabriel make the throws. Because you know we've got power in the run game, but they've got a lot of defensive power up front to stop that and so if they can get back and force him to make the throws we could be in a really tough spot um, we we've, we've had our issues with with Gabriel being able to, to make the money throws and the in the throws that make a difference maybe we'll get into that in a minute um, that worries me too I'm worried that we get into a game where we can't establish the run game and we are backpedaling in a lot of cases and you're, you're in a game where maybe you're up by 3 points, 7 points, and it gets late in the game, and anything can turn at that point. That, that's ideal from Cincinnati's standpoint. Then their crowd stays in at the entire time. All of those things are concerns. I would try to make us one-dimensional if I were them and try to force Dylan Gabriel to make the throws. And really, if you can force him into decision-making where he's throwing – to the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage, that may give you a lot of advantage, as Cincinnati looks at it, from keeping us from that downfield down, down the field threat that quickly puts points on the board. If we don't have that ability to do that and we can't get yardage in chunks, we could be in a dogfight deep into this game.
2: And this actually kind of segues into a listener question. Um, Around some of the topics that you and Jay are, are just now discussing, so uh, longtime listener, sometimes guest Christian has asked a question. A um, couple of statements in here that lead to the question, so bear with me. Biggest question on offense is the the mild or, or lackluster rushing attack. The numbers don't look awful, but hasn't been impressed at all with the running game so far this year. Um, no real explosive plays, as we've as we've talked a lot about. Um, can't tell if the backs don't have good vision, if the line isn't opening up holes, or is it some other issue, maybe a mixture of both. Uh, what do we think, is he nitpicking, or, or do we see the same thing, um, and how do, we, how do we fix that going into this week? So initially, Jay, you mentioned something, you mentioned something this week after the game that I thought was interesting, you heard it on another pod, around <clears throat> just some of the weird schemes that our offensive line is working in. Um, a lot of it's not just direct blocking the man in front of you. Uh, it's more, I, it's more like cross blocks of our centers going to block, uh, you know, tackles or, and and vice and, and just it's it's odd. I and I I witnessed it yesterday. I, I made it a point to look at that as I was watching the game. There were some very weird blocking schemes, huh. especially on on run plays. Um, so, for me, I. We are too good in the in the offensive backfield not to have those explosive plays that Christian has mentioned. I don't. I I think it may be a mixture of both. Like Barnes last week, to me something I made my game notes. Barnes looks slow and unsure of himself in some situations. Uh, I know we were making the joke during the game that he needs to change his cleats because he was slipping all over the field. But even aside from that, he was second guessing his steps. Yeah, I mean he had a couple of runs where he got into the uh, where he got into the the second level of the defense. But there wasn't a lot lot else outside of that. Um, so I do want to see a, a Gavin Sawchuk maybe this week be able to knock that rust off, Steve, that you mentioned. And I want to see some simplistic blocking up front just to open up a hole so we can get into that second level. I would suspect that
1: the way Cincinnati um, runs their defense and pressures with their linebackers and stuff, if I had to guess, we're going to play – whoever our best pass-protecting running backs are. Mm. So I would actually... Might be Major. I think it's going to be Walker, Major, Barnes slash Sawchuck for this game. Mm. That's just my guess.
2: So maybe if we open it up a little bit in the passing game, you start seeing some more skillful Barnes and Sawchuck rotations in there. But until then, we want that pass-protect situation.
0: Do you think we'll run empty a lot? I don't know. um, This is a little
1: bit off topic, but we had discussed after the game. You know, the tight ends have pretty much been useless. Abysmal, Um,
2: abysmal blocking.
1: And when you have the depth that we have at wide receiver, there's, I just say, just get rid of, just get rid. (laughs) You know, I know you need them at times, but I would rather have uh, Anthony stoops Farouk, and take a tight end off the field so that anderson can get on there or that Petaway can get on there somebody else because
0: they're just they're just there they're just bodies yeah right now and they're not bodies that are effectively giving you any more protection and they're not giving you an option so you might as well have a speedster who gives you an option that if i'm a defense i'm worried
2: about five hats that i've got to cover and i'm like one guy's going to be open. Well, and their lack of blocking is creating a false sense of maybe security on Dylan Gabriel's part to say, I have another guy on the end of the line here who's supposed to pick up, yeah. you know, defensive player X. And if he's not picking up that block, which, man, they I watched some of that blocking yeah, we're, from that game. Yeah, we're relying it's, it's on really bad.
1: our tight ends a lot of times to, to have a crucial block both in the run game and in pass protection.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And... We just don't have that guy. So I don't know if they're trying to make um, our tight ends do something they can't. Because if maybe if we're trying it out, because if they could, then maybe it really, really helps us out in in a different area of the play. But I think we've had enough film now where they should be able to look back at it and be like, this isn't working, and let's just move away from it and let's just go to something else.
2: Our tight ends had a combined one catch against Tulsa. In the second offensive drive, and the, of the catches
1: game. aren't even. No, I know. The problem, I'm just, I'm right? just saying, it's, but I'm just saying, like it's overall their protection It's their yeah. blocking. Yeah, it's, protection it's how is one thing, but even
2: with
1: springing a run. Yeah. Or giving Gabriel And that really is X when you're of running
0: and you're getting to that second level. That is a key part of that. Is you got the the tight end blocking a linebacker, blocking a DB that's coming up, and that that's the difference between a two yard run and a seven eight yard or maybe something bigger
2: and that's what's at, we're not asking for a pancake I'm asking for someone to throw a hip out there and yeah, just get, them their off, way. get them away get them off the line yeah let right? yeah. like get them because off because the, these
0: running backs are good yeah. enough that if you can get them in stride to that second level
3: they can break an arm tackle yep, yeah. and they're gone yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing a five wide with Anthony Farouk Anderson Stoops and Petaway <laughs> because you're gonna have two guys that are deep between Anthony and Anderson, they're gonna take the safeties with them. And then you're gonna have linebackers trying to cover Mm -hmm. Petaway, which is probably impossible for them. Or they're gonna have like a DN try to step out, which he's way too shifty and fast for that. Farouk has proven when you get the ball in his hands, he can make great cuts with the ball. And then we all know Stoops knows where the chains are. Mm -hmm. So I think those five guys, if, if they're not blitzing, obviously, and that's a big if, that, and if they are, you just get the ball out quick because you're gonna have two guys exactly. with Stoops and Petaway underneath. Now you can't run it, you know, 25 times in the game. And Gavin but, Freeman. I mean, yeah, I mean, no, that was my, that was my if, next yeah. point. Do we? If do you we, want to put Freeman yeah. in there, but I mean, Stoops is your go-to chain getter guy on the, you know,
2: but do you, give third Petaway seven, the, do you get Petaway deal. the snap on the other side before Stoops or before, before uh, Freeman? Freeman? I do because I do too. it seems like. I think we're we'll more willing, to throw, we're more willing gets, to throw
3: him the ball. His quickness mm-hmm. and shiftiness is really really evident. Well, I would say you probably
0: rotate them through and keep them fresh because that's a lot of threat. And if you're able to get the ball out quickly, if you sense the blitz yeah. and you're able to get the ball out quickly, that's pretty scary to have one of those guys out there with the ball in space with one man to beat and, because and there's a lot, a lot of, times, of speed to take it. I mean, they're deep.
3: probably, if they see that many out there, they're probably only going to be rushing three, and they're going to drop one of those defensive ends, and none of those guys can. No. I mean, there's not a defensive end that's going to cover Stoops or Freeman. or petaway or petaway on the you know on the yep. underneath stuff. So, like I said, I'm I would not, love to see a five I'm not wide looking set. to see that all the Jeff time. Jeff Lebby will never do it. But Have it, we seen but
1: a five white set this year? I'm not off the top of my head. Lebby
2: won't do it. I don't think Lebby will do it. Baylor
3: Baylor did it. I know, but I don't think you. I do not think Lebby will do it. I mean, to not put a tight end in there. Because he so, seems
2: so dead set on doing that.
3: Yeah, but he's also dead set on throwing it less than five yards from the line of scrimmage. And this gives you the opportunity to have two deep guys take the safeties away
2: and be able to throw it underneath to a guy that's good with the ball. I completely in his hands. agree with you. I'm like 100% on that boat. I unfortunately do not think. What worries me is I don't think we, like, adjustment wise, I don't know if Levy does it. I don't know if he goes uh, and I I am sure to a level but like even we we spoke last week about how great the defensive adjustment was to this backup quarterback that we saw come in and the second half adjustment and the, yeah. the second half adjustment that we saw I don't think I think LeBby has a game plan and I think that is the game plan. Yeah,
3: but we do have a guy on staff that grew up under Leach. I mean, Seth Luttrell yeah. is a Leach disciple and it wouldn't surprise me if he brought a couple of those five receivers setups it. in i would love it oh
0: that'd be wonderful i think it'd and be very powerful not not
3: that they're quote unquote saving it for texas but obviously we probably could have used it in smu when we were a little bit stagnant during part of that game but the other two games we haven't needed any yeah. any like special offensive formation type well, of stuff well and how crazy is
2: it that we're talking about the depth at the wide receiver position right now right when we're all talking about the Which obviously tight end, but we're all talking about how wide receiver was one of our biggest concerns going into the season. We have seen so much. Yeah, I
3: was talking. And the opposite from the running back, which we've got stacked. Yeah, I (laughs) was talking and agreeing
0: with friends this week that what a flip it's been that running back now has become the concern, and wide receiver is so settled that we're very comfortable and have so much talent and we're wanting confidence in in what's going on and and they're and they're
3: doing great. Yeah. Um, some so, of that's line play to me, though. For I don't, sure, I don't Agreed. think the line is is cohesive like we thought it would be.
1: I don't even know if it's just cohesive. It's just I don't know that they're not dudes, other than Guyton. No, no, because I, what I go back to is we played an inexperienced offensive line in our bowl game against a far superior defense than we've faced to date. And pushed this them around. And we push them. And around? we and ran know, for two hundred plus know, yards. You
2: know what we probably did with that with that amateur offensive line group? ran basic offensive Simplified line right. packages run
0: straight forward
2: yes i'm going to block the guy in front of me you're going to block the line in front years, of you i've
0: seen every time they did that it had success yeah when they tried to get complicated and they pulled a guard and they ran it, it was complicated and sometimes it works and sometimes it really doesn't and it doesn't. took
2: six it took six weeks to get used to it yeah and we when do it, not when have you just that line time. up and blow don't them have up, that
0: luxury it works yeah so i yeah so You're dancing around, Lucas, and I think all of us are, a a couple of things that are sort of key questions here. One is, if what you say is is true in terms of the game plan, Dylan Gabriel's got a lot on his shoulders. He's going to have to read the defense to see if there's a blitz, and he's going to have to figure out how to get the ball away to the right person. And if he is going to go deep, which was one of the things I want to see us do successfully, He's going to have to hit that receiver in stride and hit him in the right spot. And if I'm Cincinnati, I'm thinking I'm going to put, I don't know how much confidence they have in their defensive backfield, but I'm going to put my defensive backfield out there thinking I don't need over-the-top additional help as long as he's under-throwing balls. When he does complete for 15 yards, it's just 15 yards. It's not 15 yards plus 45 for a touchdown, and that's the real key. If he can hit guys in stride, you burn someone who, who takes that risk. If you don't, occasionally you have success, and, and occasionally you don't get to that. That's a third down, and you don't complete it. So that's something that I'm concerned about. We ran a poll this week, got a little bit of uh, feedback and static on it, even though it was fairly neutral. It was The question was, where does o, OU's greatest total probability of success lie? Where, where do, how has OU attained its, its total success? Is it with Jackson Arnold, Dylan Gabriel, or either one under center at the helm? And overwhelmingly, 72% of our 173, um, thank you very much, uh, poll respondents said Dylan Gabriel. But meaningfully, 10% said Jackson Arnold and 18 said either one. And that tells me a lot of people are seeing what we're seeing, and that is there's not a lot of difference between the two. And when I look at what Dylan Gabriel does down the field, it really scares me. I see a guy who can't hit a guy in stride, and sometimes can't even hit a guy in a way that's not uh, making it a pretty jump ball situation, a competitive ball that shouldn't be. And that's taking you out of your ability as an offense to stretch the field and Put things in, in a position where if the defense fails, you win big because you win a touchdown. You don't just win 15 yards.
3: When we say can't though, he has done it periodically. It's just not consistent. There were some throws we really raved about in that first game against Arkansas State, yeah. where he hit Anthony and in stride. Yeah, and then even, I even mean, a couple I'm sorry, of throws. Tulsa. Yeah, Tulsa. There's a couple of throws in Tulsa. They were right on the money, but there were also, I mean, there were some that. It's a 25-yard throw to Anthony, and if he throws it a foot further in front of him, he catches it in stride, and it's a 60-yard touchdown. But instead, he has to go down to get the ball, and he catches it for 25 yards, but he rolls on the ground afterwards. Yeah. 25-yard gain is awesome, but not as awesome as a 60-yard touchdown that you only threw 25 yards. In fact, was that the same drive that ended the half that ended in a
0: field goal instead of a touchdown? One I'm thinking of was going to the other end zone. So I'm thinking the of the quarter. one that came at us as we were in the end zone. Yeah. And it, it, was, a, a, it was a catch over the middle. It was a, a slant route that was, if I'm remembering right, it, it was one that was, was tackled there for a great gain. But on that drive, we get stalled out on the two-yard line. And that'll happen, and it doesn't happen when you hit a guy in stride and you turn that into an immediate touchdown. So I'm concerned about that. I know there's been a lot of support and love for Dylan Gabriel, and we love Dylan Gabriel. We we think he's a great player, and we wish nothing but the best for him, but we've got concerns that he is hitting his peak and that his floor and ceiling are really close together here and that Jackson Arnold's floor is right there with it, but his ceiling is much higher. And I
1: think this is um, hopefully the start of allowing our quarterbacks to use their legs because we thought coming into the season that there was going to be a lot more quarterback run game because we have a competent backup and so it wasn't so detrimental if you lost Gabriel for a quarter or a half or for the rest of the game etc but I think the quarterback needs to start picking up those hidden yardages with their feet and maybe this it's the game for that.
2: He had one <clears> – a <throat> couple points. He had, he had one scramble last week to memory. He scrambles in for a touchdown. It gets called back um, on a hold. Right. I don't think he scrambled outside of that. The, the, he had a couple of scrambles where he had to, he had to flush the pocket. And actually, going back, it was, it was two noticeable plays where he had to do that scrambling. Made very good decisions in the reads that he made to make the throw – a completion one was actually on a third and 13 going to the left and he's flushed out and finds stoops and gets a first down I made a note of that very good play on the money ball Um, the from a consistency standpoint I go back to a couple different plays the first one is right before Nick Anderson's first touchdown there's LV Bunkley Shelton releases over the middle on a post grossly overthrown ball but uncompetitive Bunkley Shelton has his defender beat. Um, Dylan Gabriel if you if you put it up in the air where even if it's on a line just, to, just at the height of Bunkley Shelton's arms it would have been a touchdown. Grossly, grossly overthrown. Almost like he was throwing it away in the back of the end zone. Next play pretty much the same route for Nick Anderson that Bunkley Shelton ran. Nick Anderson catches it over the middle on a post for a touchdown and that play before kind of goes unnoticed. Um, something mm. I noticed. And then the uh Well stop you right there yeah. real
0: quick because if you're not playing Tulsa, you don't get that second chance yeah. on that. Exactly. That change things up. And, and even
2: on Anderson's play, the ball's a little bit behind him. He's having to reach back onto his back onto his back shoulder to make that catch. A good defender is gonna go and put a hand up and that's it's gonna be a non factor. So there were a couple even even a couple stoops first touchdown uh, on his little out route that he runs in the end zone. Same thing. On his back shoulder, thrown behind him. If a defender is there at all, I'm I'm swatting that away. So, um, I agree. He made some really good. He made some really good throws last week uh, against Tulsa. I got to worry about some of the throws that were completed down the line when we do face better opponents, uh, the Texases of the world. Um, even this weekend, right? I mean, Cincinnati's going to have better defenders than Tulsa. As weak as the Big so. Twelve is, and
0: we we can talk
2: about that and talk about how weak
0: they are and how weak they. Uh, Look, you know, week in and week out, we we see different aspects of them, and this last week made us think the Big 12 is weaker than we thought it was before. But still, they're going to have more athletes and better coaching than what we faced in the non-conference, by and large. So you can't count on out-athleting someone. And you have to to sit
2: back as well. I mean, we roll into town for any of these, or people coming to Norman, OU's got that. Target on their back. Where Absolutely. players play above, in my opinion, players play above the talent that they actually obtain. In a lot of cases, we've seen it in losses that we've had in the last few years um, to teams that we should have rolled, and they play above their expectation because of the opponent, of of to, the crimson and cream on the other side of the line.
1: To combine the fact that it's OU coming to town, and you're new to the Big Twelve. And, you know, this is this is big time for Cincinnati. I mean, they are going to be amped oh, and up and ready. They were probably had a little bit of a look-ahead moment and probably while they lost Miami, to Ohio. Miami, Ohio. Yeah. And they will be absolutely ready for us to come to town.
0: Well, they also, and everyone will face this or be in this position, and as we get better, let's assume we continue to win, you're going to have, as an opponent of OU, less to lose, more to gain every time. As an athlete and as a team, you've got every reason to go for the gusto because heads you win, tells you were are supposed to lose. So it's not a big deal. So we're going to get not only their best, but we're also going to get them stretching and doing things we wouldn't normally see and we wouldn't actually do out of individual play as well as some play calling. So we've got to be prepared for that and got to overcome it, and that's difficult that's what that to me having a target on your back that's everything about the fact that you have a completely different risk return situation than your opponent faces they face a totally different situation and if I mean, they be, exploit you, it they <clears throat> can really make it
3: difficult
2: for, for a lot of these guys i mean you go and beat ou that coach is solidifying a job potentially oh, absolutely. for absolutely x amount of time so i mean and that's that's, that's dramatic but it's win. i think I mean, it's matt true.
3: campbell got three extra years out of beating us in norman yeah yeah so probably yeah <laughs> are you
2: guys concerned about anything i mean it, it's so ironic how much this podcast and the flavor has shifted because of some of the successes we've had on one side and some of the shortfalls we've had in the other. Anything? Anything defensively outside of the Bowen situation that you guys are looking for on defense, or that you're maybe even worried about? I'm um, the dual threat quarterback. Always worries us. We've seen it
3: for two decades. Yeah, it's how tough. much we've struggled with it, and it, I don't well, know if we struggle. know if it's more than other teams. We struggled with it feels, last week, and it feels like it. That's right. Uh, yeah, and that guy barely even and threw he didn't the ball. run. Yeah, yeah he, he just ran out of the, He just he just flushed the pocket and yeah. was making plays outside the pocket. Um, yeah, the dual threat quarterback, and and this kid. I mean, he started at Florida as a freshman, I think, if I remember right. Yeah. So he was probably a, a four-star, five-star type kid, and now he's playing at Cincinnati. He probably went there for fickles. This is his
2: second season there that he started. Um, did he come in against us when we played them in the Cotton Bowl? In the ball game? I think he did. I think he. Pl- I think. Well, Tra- I'm sure they did I because think they Trask, started with two. I think Trask two came out of that. I think Trask out? came out of that when game. I think they put out. Emory Jones. That's yeah, a good thing. I, to I research. think so
3: too. Um, so I mean, yeah, I'm always worried about that. We haven't. We've seen good defensive pressure, but we haven't gotten home much. Um, I'm very interested to see if PJ gets to play more, on the end because he's a freak athlete. We saw that sack he had last week was. It was just him and the quarterback, and he he, got he didn't think twice. He just buried, he just went. So if we if we can see a couple of those, and them getting a you know third and eighteen situations after maybe running into the line on first down, it's third and, or it's second and nine, and then you get a, a six or seven yard sack, and you're looking at third and fifteen. Um, I want to see those active I like, hands again. i like to see some of that. especially Had a lot of active hands. I, yeah. I, I think we come away with this game with two to three more turnovers. I would honestly. like to
0: see that. And, and really, if there are turnovers like in the Tulsa game, which are, are forced turnovers. I mean, those were as forced interceptions as you can get. Those weren't gifts. Like, the Gabriel interception was a gift. Um, there weren't gifts. We earned those. I would like to see more of that. I would like to see us be able to effectively blitz and be pressure and put pressure when we want to have it that's something that's been hit and miss over the prior years where you know you're in a position you want to blitz and you want to have pressure you go and try to do it and it's not successful i want to see us be able to do that and be that disruptor that really dictates the the situation at hand so in the
1: cotton bowl ou florida 55 to 20 ou Emory Jones did come in. He went eight for sixteen for eighty-six yards passing, five point four-yard average. But he was also Florida's leading rusher with sixty yards, which isn't a lot. But it was but 10, ten carries for sixty yards, so he averaged six yards a carry in the when we did face him last time. And if
0: he does that from quarter one in against us yep. on Saturday, that could be trouble. That that certainly could be trouble. So that's something they've got to be looking out for. Um, You know that we've been playing lesser opponents, and so this becomes a bigger test both offensively and defensively. Can the defense really pin their ears back, do what they need to do, get off the field when they need to get off the field? Um, That's why I say defense leading the way. I want to see the defense putting us in a position where even if the offense isn't pristine – that the offense still has an ability, we're not depending on a score, we're getting scores when we want to, but the defense is, is putting us in a great position to win, which hasn't been the case last year, coming into this year, we have been in a position where the defense has been now, finally, uh, keeping us in games, and, and really in the Florida State game, keep it, keep, kept us in that game. Um, in the Oklahoma State game, kept us in that game. So the last few games of the last year won us that game. Plus, plus this year they're winning us games. If we can continue that, that's wonderful. Um, but they got to keep it up. Absolutely. Big concern there for sure. So speaking of defense and the future, we got a new recruit. I think what was that new recruit that we got? Uh, defensive lineman um, Danny O'Coy. That's correct,
1: Danny Okoye. four star. Sorry. Number one player in the state of Oklahoma, He's uh, plays for the NOAA Homeschool League, so based off just of that, I would assume he's extremely athletic, obviously, but raw, right, because I don't know the level of coaching that comes from the homeschooling division of football, but he's 6'5", 250, good-looking athlete already, just right off the huff. Um, Interesting, he had it was down to us, Texas, and Tennessee. Also, had offers from Alabama and LSU. Uh, That's strong. Some sides have him as as high as um, low 60s overall player in the country. No worse than a top 200 player in the country. So,
0: that's great. Pretty exciting stuff. Uh, There's two things I love about that. One is it's an Oklahoma kid we're getting and I think this staff is getting guys they want to get, not guys they need to get, or not guys they have to get, or they're not beggars. So when they're going after an Oklahoma kid, I feel like, like anyone, they're going after someone they really want, and to get that kid, that really speaks a lot. Um, The fact that he's got those other offers, that speaks highly of who he is, that those are schools that you have to respect their process, and that they're not gonna just take a flyer on anybody. They're going after quality recruits. What was interesting was some of the context that he brought in terms of how the story changed with this staff versus his first initial visit to Norman and how Riley and company weren't really exciting to him. What did he say about that?
1: Yeah, he said, uh, he was asked, you know, why did he pick OU? And he said, I just really vibe with the staff. and can really buy into what the program is offering. Before, when I visited OU under Lincoln Riley, the energy wasn't the same as it is under Brent Venables. I see how genuine and realistic they are at OU. One of the big selling points of the OU program is football isn't forever, so they want to prepare you for more than just football. Um, He also went on to say, Back in 2020, when I went on my visit to OU, I didn't see Lincoln Riley one time. Wow. But when I went a few weeks ago, Brent Venables was there, he was present, he was energetic, he was passionate, he was bouncing off the walls. The difference in the energy between old OU and new OU stuck out like a nail in a wall. Well, That's he, incredible. I mean, he
3: said he didn't see Lincoln Riley because all he cared about was the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. So he spent all his time with the quarterbacks and the skill position, offensive players, and... Never bothered caring about the defense.
1: You know that's you know we all kind of gloss over it, and s- some people have made a more to do about it than what. But that that is a fairly damning. It's very damning thing to say oh, because yeah. he was essentially on our radar. We were not on his radar. He had already written us off. Yeah, and the staff stayed on him, stayed persistent, but it just speaks volumes to lincoln and his staff not being able to recognize the potential of this what was he a 10th grader at that time yeah or so
2: no right. he'd have been like a eighth grader ninth I mean, grader or fresh- 10th grader at the time year. yeah
1: so i mean you can give him a little bit of a pass for that because you
0: don't know how players are going to turn out but you don't burn a bridge yeah and it sounds like they burned a bridge and it's something that they weren't recognizing they're burning bridges i would like to thank and we would have to dig deep to understand this but i'd like to think that this staff today is not burning those bridges that it's reaching out to kids and keeping connections alive to see what develops on both sides of the ball even if you've got a head coach that's always always a head coach is going to come from one or the other there's no coach that did both there's always an offensive origin or a defensive origin but as a head coach you have to think i've got to be complete on both sides of the ball and they want to see me. I'm the face of the program. They want to know and they want face time with the guy who is the man. And you, you've got to spread your time out and understand that even though you may have your home base of for Brent, it's defense, for Lincoln, it's offense, you've got to spread it out and, and give some, some equal time to the other side of the ball so that you keep those relationships uh, healthy. And so that when a guy does develop, you are able to close the deal on him. And but that, just to think where we're,
1: where we're at right now versus where we would have been had Lincoln stayed, the number one player in the state of Oklahoma
0: would not have wouldn't
1: wouldn't even have thought
2: about coming No, He would have been going to Texas.
0: Texas or Tennessee? Yeah, wouldn't have just not come would have gone to your rival yeah. and played you. Or, or,
2: uh, or even just... Or a new conference foe. Or new conference foe. Exactly. Or a new conference foe, yeah. Someone who you're going to In be playing all cases, against regardless.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's bad enough to lose a guy at a, to Oregon. At an elite position, right? Yeah. That,
1: I mean, we need these a type of guys position. to go yeah. into the SEC.
0: Where you need a lot of that depth. And we're absolutely. starting to stack them up on the D-line. We are stacking we them are up. We are stacking them up. And the priorities look so much better under the staff. So this is just one of many examples of us understanding the full game and understanding what it takes to survive and to thrive. I was talking to some fans of another school uh, earlier today and it it was apparent to them and they kind of understand their their position in the world that they aren't getting those guys and it's very frustrating and you and I was thinking wow, that's the kind of situation where, you may have conference success, but it never goes past that. And if you're happy with competing for your conference title and having no chance of anything in the postseason, then so be it. But that's not the aspiration of OU. OU's goal is to compete nationally for the entire championship, to get there to the national championship.
1: And for those that listen that you know maybe don't follow recruiting as close as we do or you know they just wait for the players to show up, There is a reason to get excited, because uh, with the addition of Okoye, who is a four-star defensive end, you've got five-star defensive tackle David Stone, you've got four-star Jaden Jackson, his teammate, uh, at defensive tackle, four-star. You've got Nigel Smith, who is a top 100 player, four-star defensive end. You've got Wyatt Gilmore, who is a four-star, I want to say he's out of Minnesota, which is interesting because we targeted him early and I'm all on board with this staff targeting players. If yes. they want them, great. Uh, and uh, often forgotten guy is a, a Juco player, uh, Danny Saali, who is another four star player. So, I mean, we've got five elite blue chip style defensive linemen coming in for this class. That you're gonna pair up with the Padabores
0: and the
2: Yeah. Terry's and the Right. To to
0: to me it goes beyond just the stars, which are obviously important, but I have so much more credence in these guys because I believe this staff comes at it with intelligence and a deliberate plan. It's not just let's go get a star as if you're winning the recruiting battle and then it's over. You're getting a guy who you can identify works in your system. And I know where I'm going to use that player. I know how I'm going to get that player and, and have them on the field effectively doing a good job for me in games, winning games. Not just, wow, well look, we got a five star, look, we got a four-star. Which seemed to be the the style of the old regime where they were just checking a box to say, look, we got good recruits they should just produce and it's kind of like how we took
1: a it's kind of like how we took a rj henderson at wide receiver and told garrett wilson oh sorry we got no we got right. no room for you right and then rj decommits and garrett wilson and goes to ohio state now garrett wilson's you know tearing up the nfl yeah, how's he and doing? rj henderson is a, a nobody but right? and,
2: then, and that goes back to steve's point earlier exactly and, and go back to kamar wheaton where relationship-wise not only establishing it to get the commitment itself, but you better bet that that Todd Bates or even Venables himself or whomever is staying in constant contact with Okoye up until national signing day. It's not going to be this thing where crap, or unless Okoye sees unless oh, OU starts losing or something something happens, um, it's not going to be a thing where we lose touch with someone because oh we got him in the bag onto the next got him in the bag, on to the next type of thing, where I think that age, at least right now for OU, especially with what we hear about we're doing with NIL and what we're doing for players as well. Soul program. Um, the soul mission, exactly, where, you know, I don't think we – that, that statement speaks for itself, right? There, there's not a lot else you have to say. It's, you could pick it out like a nail on the wall. It is night and day difference from the previous regime, and that right now is what you're going to have to do to maintain that longevity and that success down the line, especially and moving to the SEC. When you're
3: trying to bring these kids in this season, you can't really show them tape of last year and say this is what we're trying to do because <clears> throat> throat> we really didn't have the dudes up front that we wanted to. Some yeah. on the future. But now as you're going along this season trying to bring in these five-star and high four-star kids that are the, the ultimate of what you're looking for body shape-wise and all that, you you'll be able to show them as this season goes along hopefully yeah that look at what these young kids are doing now this is going to be you yes and you know where previously it wasn't like that well and also and look now look at what it.
1: we're doing with not that these aren't good players but we've got older players in the system right now that are from other teams and yep. transfers, transfers in and you know are they getting better are they improved from where they were once before has right. our staff upped what they're doing and you know, you tell these kids, you know, not just what they want to hear, but you're a better talent than what we have right now. And look what we're doing now. With it's not spot. as good as we want it to be, right. but that's why we're coming for you. Well that's where you yeah. can
2: give a positive to even the offensive side of the ball. Look at Andrell Anthony. Yes. I mean, the guy the kid had I think Venables came out with the stat yesterday. It's maybe wrong, but I believe sixteen catches over two seasons at Michigan. And he's already about to match that in three going on four games at OU and it's not not in that. He's a premier guy for us. And it's
0: and, and as good as our offense has been, it's not like you're surrounded with all American talent and you've got the leading Heisman candidate at quarterback and everything where you could say, Well anyone could succeed in that system. It's not a system thing. It's more of we can develop your talent and we can get you to the next level and we can we can see where you fit into the mix We here. have a vision for you.
2: We have a vision for you. And I think that speaks volumes. I think that's really important. And I will give Lebby credit for that. Lebby, I think identifies that. I think he does have a vision for and again, that's why I'm I'm so pro Jackson Arnold because I do think Lebby has this template that he works within and I think Jackson Arnold checks the boxes of of that template he does all to of a T. It. Yeah, so I, I really think so. I'm so. really excited for that transition, uh, once it comes. And I think the yeah, Dylan... truth, Jeremy, you'd wonder,
1: you know, Arnold's the guy he wants running the show. Yeah. Ultimately to run what Levy wants to run. Right. But, you know, we are where we're at. So
0: So it's gonna be interesting to see if and when and how the season progresses with Dylan, if it's good enough. Um and it could good enough could be you win it all. Good enough could be, you just win a Big Twelve title. Good enough could be you just compete for a Big Twelve title. Um,
2: Lebby's going to have to make some adjustments.
0: He's going to have to think about that. He's going to have to think about, and that's going to be a real test of Lebby. And I would like to think, in my Homer optimistic mind, this is the last season to have to worry about that. Where going forward, you always are in the luxury of, barring an injury, you are. Always putting the guy forward that you know is going to do everything you want out of an offense and put you in a position to win, and you don't have to think through, well, this guy isn't actually that good at this position. He's got some weaknesses here. We've got to, we've got to reconfigure our scheme. You've got a guy who can execute top to bottom what you want to do, and you can
2: dictate the field when you're on offense. Because you don't want to be in a position like an Alabama is in where – you oh. are having to retrofit a transfer quarterback into a system that you want to run. Yeah, and we saw it. it ama- he did an amazing thing for us. It, hindsight's twenty twenty for me. I, looking back, th- he was amazing. But it's it's the same thing with a Jalen Hurts post Kyler post Baker. Yeah, where Lincoln Riley had to go and fit this guy into the system, and not only that, had to rebuild the system around him to make sure that what he had from a skill set standpoint, worked to, to let us win. And you saw a lot of Riley shortfalls in that, in that year, in my opinion. Um, he wasn't used to that. And I'd much rather have a guy who comes up who Lebby's been able to pinpoint, this is the guy that's going to do what we need him to do to get the maximum amount of success. And
0: have that confidence to know, here's what I want to do, and now I can start to work on the second and third level details Rather than worry about the very first level detail, and that is getting a quarterback to just execute the play you want executed and read the
2: progression that you want read. That is a reason I voted for Jackson Arnold in that poll that we ran this week. I
0: voted for Jackson Arnold as well, Um, and it's nothing against Dylan as much as it's for Jackson Arnold. Um, And again, I'll be tickled pink if Dylan Gabriel can go the distance and be absolutely phenomenal for get us. Get us to a playoff. Get us to a playoff and everything. What I fear is we'll be in a position where the defense is having to bail us out of a lot of situations if Dylan Gabriel is is at the helm all the way through. What I would like to see and would have liked to have seen against Tulsa is Jackson Arnold get in the game earlier and just run the offense. When we're up 21 or even 14 to nothing,
2: Give him a series and see what he can do in that point. Well, after that, after that pick six that Stutzman had that puts us up 21-0, yeah. to zero, perfect opportunity. We saw Again, we saw it on defense. We started throwing freshmen out there, Vickers um, and some others. Uh, that early in the game, you're going to do it on that side of the ball? Let Jackson Arnold get in there and run the system. You won't have a, a safer time to do that probably
0: until some game deep into the season where it won't matter as much
2: so you might see you might see it you might Iowa see it in State. Iowa State maybe you might if
0: things work out
2: just right if they do and and that that was another game note I had after last night I I think the Jackson Arnold package holds a value within this offense you don't need to gimmick him like we saw last week consistently I, I'm all for some mixes and some throwing some different looks out there but Steve to your point and I completely agree with it he's Showing that one throw that he had shows me that he is a guy, and you can put him in your offense, and he can run it. Just run it normal Let him run it. Let him
0: run the offense. You know it, It's so strange to be in a position where you've got a guy that young who can come in and do what he does with such absolute aplomb and confidence. Just he he, he just executed it like a junior. He actually like he's done impression. it a thousand times. And somebody missed a block,
1: and, and he he, t- he had a defender right in his face and he that a laid hit. a lick on him, and, and it care. was still on the money.
0: It, he didn't care. It Very impressive. We're we're totally sold on on his ability, and I think he is a lock for how good he can be going forward. And that really gets us to the locks of the week.
3: The realest deal, locks of the week.
0: So who wants to start us out and and run through their locks of the week. Let's talk a little bit about where we've gotten to at this point. Last week was a great week for me. Um, not so great for everyone else. Actually, Connor had a good, I'm going to give him a, a good week too. I was 3-0, and Connor was 2-1, and Lucas and Jay pulling up the rear at 1-2. And that makes us, um, well, as a group, 25 and 23, 52%. Three of us are at 6 and 6. Lucas, you're you're at 7 and 5, so you're you're really... Dominating. <laughs> yeah, sure, dominating is the word there. But I'm coming alive at 3 and 0, and I, I'm going to start us out because I've got... I'm going to follow 3 and 0 with... Well, they're locks of the week for a reason. I've got Temple getting 24 and a half against <laughs> Miami, Florida. I like that pick. I, there almost, is no I chance, almost locked it. There is no chance Miami of Florida... Can, can cover 24.5. So I got the, the Temple Owls. I've got Memphis getting 6.5 to Mizzou. That's not going to work out for Mizzou. Memphis is going to cover that. They might win the game outright. And then I'm going to switch it up and take a favorite. I've got Michigan giving 24.5 against Rutgers. Um, Rutgers is, is not going to be able to stay on the same field with Big Blue. They're going to cover 24.5. Who wants
3: to go next? I can go. I've got uh, Bama minus 6.5 against Ole Miss. I think they get their crap together and start bullying bullying teams around again and not just worry about which quarterback they're playing and get back to basics and just start running the ball. Um, I've got UCF getting 6.5 against K-State. We always talk about how much we like climbing. Um, but and we do. I think UCF has got a heck of an offense this year, and I don't think K-State has much of an offense personally. I like and that they pick. can
0: still win the game and not cover.
3: Yeah, I mean they they lose by a field goal and still win. What was that? What
2: was the six and a half? Six and a half.
3: Although okay. it has been moving, but the the line that we have is UCF put up some points from Monday is six and a half, and then I've got North Carolina minus seven and a half against Pitt. No it's one, interesting. No I'm on the opposite there.
1: side on five of the six <laughs> of those picks right there, <laughs> <laughs> which means you guys are in trouble. So,
2: Go ahead, Jeff. Well, what do you that, got there, big boy? Yeah, that's, that's what that means.
1: It's okay. pretty official. You can mark that down. Um, this could be too much emotion put into this this pick right here. <laughs> uh, I'm taking Oregon minus 20 and a half against the fighting Dion Sanders Colorado team. You don't believe? Hey, it's Coach I, Prime. I do not believe. I think Oregon is going to make an absolute statement out of Colorado. Colorado's defense is trash. The hype is trash. The exposure is trash. Their best players out. ESPN is trash. Uh, To a dirty hit. Their first true big-time road game. I'll give it up to Sador Sanders. He's been much better than I thought he was going to be. I, he He's very good with the is ball. Is he num-
0: your number one Sanders kid?
1: He is. On my list of, of kids, he's number one. It's not um,
2: It's not the son that does marketing for Dion? It's <laughs> Correct. Not him. Oh, okay. um, I want to make sure.
1: Now, I felt good about this one in general, but I'm trying a new technique here. Um, I like ranked home underdogs. And so I'm going to take Washington State... Plus two and a half against Oregon State. And you like Oregon State otherwise. I do like Oregon State otherwise, but Washington State I think is a little bit under the radar team. And at home, it's a fairly tough place to play. Um, Oregon State hasn't just been running through people. I like the home team getting the points there. And I'm going to do it again with Notre Dame. Home ranked team getting three and a half against an Ohio State team that has just not been
2: impressive to me. Um, Sam Hartman really has a chance to solidify himself. He does.
1: This will be, <clears throat> I, this single game right here has a chance to change the trajectory of the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. Because I do think Notre Dame wins this game straight up, and we all know how. The media and the polls all treat Notre Dame. They will jump to no worse than number <clears throat> three at worst. Oh, absolutely. And That's in South Bend?
0: Yes. And Ohio State is really on the outside looking yeah. in. Well, where they ha- they control their own destiny probably in that situation, but now it's really incumbent they got to win out at that point. And the pressure's on. I-, I like that pick as well because Ohio State started so slow in so many of their games this year. I think that there's there's a real chance for Notre Dame. Yeah, the to quarterback
1: experience them. um Going to South heavily Bend. favored Notre Dame yep. in that game. And uh I don't like Notre Dame. I don't like Ohio State either, but that's how I'm going but with. But you gotta pick it. You gotta pick it. Uh
2: a couple of overlaps here. Well no one overlap. Uh I've got South Carolina at home giving five and a half to Mississippi State. I know that South Carolina comes off a disappointing loss at uh Against Georgia, I do think, I do think Rattler will outplay that Mississippi State team after getting curb stomped by um, LSU last week. I've got North Carolina giving seven and a half uh, against Pittsburgh. Um, May is is a great quarterback. Uh, I think he'll be not only be in New York. I think he'll push for that Heisman. Um, I think he wins that one uh, by more than a touchdown. And then I've got Texas Tech giving five and a half against a West Virginia team that I don't. We don't know a lot about. They came off. They beat Pittsburgh in the backyard brawl last weekend. Um, I don't think Pittsburgh's a very good team. West Virginia didn't put up a lot of points in that game, um, and I, I think Texas Tech does have something positive going down. Something positive going on down there in Lub- Lubbock. Uh, I think they cover the five and a half there. Good picks. Very interesting. Um... It, it will be
0: interesting to see if we can continue what has been building on in terms of a winning streak for us as a group. I think we've turned a corner, and you you really need to pay attention to these locks of the week. The other thing you need to pay attention to is our score predictions for the OU game. Let's turn to the OU-Cincinnati game, talk about what we think. Keeping in mind the, the spread right now is 14 and a half. Um, OU favorite, obviously. I am going to... I've got my score. Everybody, JD, you have your score. I oh, do. I'll okay. text it to you. Just say okay. I trust you. Uh... I trust you. But no, I'm going to just go first. But I'm going to say I'm going to go first because I think that OU, and I hope I'm wrong, is not going to cover. I think OU thirty-five, Cincinnati twenty-one. So narrowly not covering. Um, just really concerned about going on the road and everything that, that entails. But I've got us winning 35-21. to 21. Jay, what do you got? Um,
1: sort of the same sentiments. Um, I'm going 31-20. I think we will have a little bit of the SMU-type game where, I, unfortunately, I think the running game is going to struggle. It's going to be all on, on Dylan's shoulders. I do think the defense steps up and plays maybe even better than what we've seen, which doesn't necessarily reflect the 20 points allowed by Cincinnati. But I do think they'll move the ball. They had almost 600 yards of offense last week. They just didn't capitalize in the red zone on four or five opportunities. And as Lucas mentioned earlier, we do struggle with dual threat quarterbacks. So I I think they'll, they'll catch us on a couple of things.
2: All right. Connor, what do you got? Similar, uh, 38-21. I do have us covering um, 21 points to, to Cincinnati for the same exact reason Jay, Jay said and Lucas alluded to earlier. Uh, new look for new look for the defense, and I think it's going to take us a second to get our feet under us. Um, I don't necessarily think it's comfortable going up there. I think it may be we, we put the game away late. Uh had someone text me and, and say, this is a game that we lose more times than not last year. Oh, and yeah. I think I completely agree with that. I we, think, we
1: felt like this after Nebraska, right? We, right. I think we all felt pretty good going into Kansas state mm-hmm. last year. Yeah.
2: So, um, I do have us covering, I, I think we, I think the offense, I think we are scratching our head a couple of times just based on what we see on the field. But I think that's just because we haven't seen anything different. Um, But overall, good game, good conference opener for us, uh, good conference opening win for us, according to my prediction.
3: I've got OU 41, 21. Covering. I got us covering. I think that's two field goals and a defensive touchdown. So I really like the way we looked against Tulsa with the turnovers. Um, we've We've had turnovers every game so far and we're flying around to the ball, getting them. we're getting, we're doing a better job of getting in lanes. Um, Even when we flush the quarterback out, it seems like, you know, Stutzman had the one, the tipped interception. Uh, The defensive backs have just done a good job of staying with their guy. And I think we'll have a couple turnovers this game and, and maybe a pick six or a or a uh, scoop and score.
2: I'd love to see. I'd love to see Bowman get in the action this week, um, Jay. I think you sent the PFF grades. He was one of the lowest, if not the lowest, PFF grade. And I, I think that was more just he didn't have a, an opportunity to make an impact last week. Um, so, so we have twenty-one for Cincinnati for Steve, right? Yep. Twenty-one. 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 21 Twenty. Twenty. So. <laughs> wow. We all expect similar defensive performances. It sounds like. I and mean, yeah.
3: a lot of it's because of the dual threat. I think. Yeah. I think it poses just enough problem if they'll get uh, probably another touchdown. And, than, and than they're, I would have won. Cincinnati's
2: and, at home, right? I mean, there, there is something to be said for that.
3: So I if I were to
0: think about it in a broader sense, it would, it would surprise me and disappoint me if OU loses this game. It would not surprise me if OU blows them out. It would not surprise me if the defense is able to hold them to well under 21 points. It would not surprise me, it would delight me, if offensively we continue to take it to the next level, and every level is a little bit shorter in terms of your your climb, but if we can get to a next level from where we've been, which has been very good on balance on offense, that would be great. I do have my worries that we can't do that, that we stagnate a little bit, that it's a little SMU game-like in terms of our production, um, but. I'll be delighted if I'm wrong on in that front and not completely surprised. I could see us actually having a lot of success and being able to execute in a way that that is extremely effective. And, and maybe these scores look really low after all is said and done, but these are competitive scores. Really, I think we'd look at it if you said going into every game, if we can hold opponents to 21 points in today's football, we should be competitive. If we can score in the high 30s, we should win the football game. So, in both respects, we're looking at it from the standpoint of we expect OU to be successful. We just, I think, are being fairly realistic about what we think our, our goal or our, our outlook should be at this point with a lot of unknowns. It's up to OU to prove us wrong.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, if we come out of this game and are actually able to be productive in the run game and we do end up with something closer to, like, Lucas's score, you know, I think we can kind of turn the page and be pretty optimistic moving forward because this is possibly the best defensive line, linebackers, group together that we're going to face all season. Mm. Um, I guess you can say the reverse. You know, if if the run game is stagnant and we have a hard time moving the ball, you know, there's going to be several games this year where yeah, it's going to be pretty iffy.
0: It could, yeah, that's a great point. And Texas obviously has a really highly rated defense, so that continues to look like a really challenging game in so many respects. And then it's always a chance for one of these other teams to develop as time goes on and you get worn down. If you can't effectively move the football, then eight, nine games into the season, a, a team that shouldn't give you trouble gives you trouble. So it's kind of a pivotal game going into conference play. I think that's pretty interesting that it lines out that way. If we can get past this opponent and look good doing it, Iowa State doesn't look as challenging and then obviously right there we're we're facing Texas by far our toughest opponent on I'm going to say on paper, but in reality or however you want to frame it, <clears throat> our toughest opponent for sure. And that's really going to be the tale of what our expectations are throughout the rest of the season. These next three games will tell you how much I'm going to be on the homer or train or not. At the end of it, if we can, if we can win all three of these games, looking ahead here, man, I'm going to be very optimistic about where we're going to be. I'm going to revise my prediction for what OU's season's going to be from 11 and one to something more positive. If we can't, if we struggle against Cincinnati. I may be revising down right after this game. So that'll be a telling one. Even if we win, even if we win but it looks uh, difficult, I may be revising downwards. So to me, this is pretty pivotal. Um, I'm pretty excited about it.
2: Yeah, I just I want to avoid. I mean, it'd be interesting to go back and see. I think there were some gross overestimations last year going into the Kansas State game um, where, again, we were on this high of not, the new coach plus the 3-0 and start. Um, the storyline of this week, uh, in, in, local media is, is what is different this year at three and O, um, than last year and how, how can we get this team over the hump? It does feel like, it does feel like this barrier in front of us to say, this is that opportunity for us to go and show a, that we can instill some confidence, not only within the fan base, but definitely within the team and within the coaches, to, to put us over that edge, and Steve, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm looking at these three games as this is the definition that I need to be able to understand whether that current 11-1 and one is a realistic expectation, which I think it is, um, and I think we've shown, but this will be that affirmation that I'm looking for. and we live up to it? Yeah. so You know,
1: in the quarterback run game, which came to our detriment last year, in the, was Kansas State. Mm. I mean, the final nail in the coffin last year was a that long run on third down. Big it was like third and 25. Yeah. And we're in man coverage. No one's paying attention. And he scrambles for like 30 yards to, to ice the game.
0: That's right. That's a great point. and Makes me want to throw up. It, it was interesting. You think about last year and it was after the Nebraska game that we started to see defensively especially – the the coaches try to implement the system they wanted to implement, and that's when the wheels came off, and that's where we couldn't get to the next level, and it kind of took a step backwards. So if we can keep at the level, we're already beyond where we were last year defensively by leaps and bounds. If we can continue that and get to an even higher level, and if offense can continue to get their progress that they've made, um, this it's
2: looking pretty positive for us. We have we'll one. See. We have uh, we have time for a quick listener question. Yeah, anymore. let's do right. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, Jake, also longtime listener. Um, so, if if these other redshirt freshmen or, or freshmen keep playing as well as they have, for example, Kip Lewis, even Kobe McKenzie to an extent, um, and I, in this example, let's use Kip Lewis. Kip Lewis keeps playing the level of football that he's playing, seemingly better than Jaron Canick is there another spot in this defense for Jaron Kanick to get on the field?
1: Mm. I don't know. And actually, I think the way Kip Lewis plays, if, if the coaches are like, we have to get this guy on the field, I actually think he switches spots with Stutz. And to me, that's a, that's a big gamble. You must really feel like Kip is that good because you, you can't have his body weight manning the, the middle of the field. You just – I'm not saying you can't. It's just not – It's tough. Common, mm-hmm. right? And so that would be a huge shift, in my opinion, for the defensive coaches to make that decision because you're moving stuts from what he does right now so well to not that he couldn't do it as well switching positions, but you know, is it so you robbing
0: at, Peter to pay Paul right. maneuver. And that's a that's a, uh, a Will versus a Mike yeah. situation. And so do you think Kanek is on the field though in, in that switch or that's just a pure switch? No,
1: I'm just saying if you would just take Kanek off the field, but if you did if you okay. took Kanek off the field and, to put Kip as a starter, let's say right. You'd, I think you'd have to switch the two linebackers. Yeah. Do we agree
2: oh. that Kip Lewis has played better than Canick when he's been in there? I think yeah. has. <sighs> Statistically.
0: Seems to, me, seems to me. I mean. It seems like I he feel gets like he's, the ball quicker than I feel
1: Kinnick. like he's um, close to like 50% of the time he's on the field, he makes a tackle.
0: I mean, I, I guess if. He's been on the in, field
1: for like 30 plays. Yeah. He's got 15 tackles. Yeah. Uh,
0: if you're in maybe a certain set. Maybe it's a, it's almost like a nickelback, but it's not a nickelback that it comes in as, as sort of a run support um, disruptor. Almost like a Dan Cody sort of where he's doing something very different back when we used to line Dan Cody up in some weird positions.
2: Is he athletic enough to play Cheetah?
0: I don't think he's athletic enough to be Cheetah, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't think he's got the speed and the the foot quickness really. But I could see him being in a position where if you face a quarterback that you think, if we put pressure on this guy, he won't know what to do, then you put him in there and it's a weird blitz package. So it's almost like a four-linebacker set or something. Which
2: we ran last week, actually. I I wish I would have went back and looked at that because there was a a time where we had, I believe it was Kip Lewis, Stutzman, Canick standing up on the edge – all on the field at the same time. Hmm. Or it was some sort of three linebacker set. Or three It'd three for him. interesting to see, because that's, that's what um, I envision. I don't think Kenneth
1: has played poorly. No. No. No, no, no. no. It's more like. I think he's just been out of Kip, position once in a while. I think it's
3: more about is Kip just, just, just a playmaker? It's just better. It's just better. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. what we talked about with the practice
2: and with the lights on. And, yep. and Kip, Kip Lewis does find the ball. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's he, he is.
1: It could be he is
2: everything we wanted David Aguebu to be last year. It
1: could be team dependent. You know, it could be. That's you know, true. Do they play a bunch of like two tight end sets? Do they have a power running back or a speed back? Or you know what it is that, that that they do?
2: I think there'll be some strong rotation at that position. I do think Kip Lewis is at the top of that rotation outside of the other linebackers for sure. And I th- I think Jay, to your point, in the post game. This is this is where we are going to start seeing those the the solidification of who Brent Venables thinks his guys are on that side of the ball. Um, I those the eleven guys that he runs out there initially on Saturday, I think will give us a pretty strong indication of what Venables sees in this defense moving forward and in, into conference play.
0: I love that thought process, though. I love the option the, the optionality of having a lot of talent that you can put out there, and I love the idea. That you could run different packages, that are that are opponent dependent, that disrupt in a different way. That you might not even see that in a in the next game. You say, "Why why aren't we running that? It was so successful." Well, the truth is, this is a completely different team, and this this quarterback in particular just doesn't have that weakness. But the the weakness or the style of play that they are running, this is where, running, set, right? this so is where we can out. run something totally different, and we get uh, get yeah, guys we have in to, there. We
1: have to reprogram our minds to the fact that the 11 we put out there aren't the only 11 that can play for us right which well, is what we've been used to yeah for we've a been decade used to right nine of 11 exactly so the fact that this might be the perfect game for McCullough right where mm. he can come up off the edge if they run a bunch of two tight end sets and he's not having to cover slot receivers all the time vice versa and then as you alluded to, next week, it won't happen against Iowa State, but um, maybe McCullough is not on the field as much. You're like, why Why isn't he out there? Well, it's because, well, we've got Bowen mm-hmm. at the Cheetah this week mm-hmm. and so because forth. Because and And same with y, Pearson, right? Yep. As much as Pearson struggled in coverage – he does come downhill, and he will thump
0: you. Right, and so, so if you're playing he might Texas, actually play a lot tomorrow. If you're playing Texas with mm-hmm. Worthy and all of those talents, you may have a different. You're probably not going to have a. You're Pearson. not have a Pearson in no. there, but you go to a, a, a team that's much more run dependent, and and that ch- completely changes, and you dominate the field with that. I love that idea. And well, you, and it man, goes. Man, I love being. Yeah, in it goes position.
2: back. Yeah, it's such a it's such a great problem to be cliche, and and I think you can go back to what the SMU offensive coordinator said after their game with us is is. Basically, Brent Venables and Ted Roof threw the kitchen at them. They were, they were mixing up looks every single drive. Every time the SMU thought they had a read on what we were doing defensively, we were changing the look. And I, I again, you guys put it perfectly. To, to be able to change looks based on what other teams' skills are is a luxury in this league and in, in college football holistically. And to be able to even be talking about Potentially having that is in man, only 18 I can't imagine. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Crazy. Yeah. So it's incredible. It's exciting. Well, we'll be
0: back for great listener question. We'll be back for the analysis of how it actually plays out on the field. OU facing Cincinnati. We'll have the post game analysis uh, up late on Saturday. Um, looking forward to OU's first true road test. Until then,
2: Boomer. Sooner. Sooner.